Hello and welcome to Modern Homemakers. We are so happy you're here. I'm here. I'm Leah Parker. I'm here with Donna Otto, the author of Finding a Mentor, Being a Mentor. And um, we have a fun giveaway about this book. If you want to join our contact list by going under contact us and giving us your email and also the name of the woman that you're planning on mentoring and your address, you can win a book. The first 20 people will be there um, to put their names in will receive the book. So without further ado, Here Donna, let's talk about finding a mentor, being a mentor. Thanks, Leah. It's so nice to be together. And your smile is contagious. I, I think if I'm grumpy, all I do is look across <laughs> at the, there you are. And I've been, I've been looking at some of the new people. So today I decided I made a short list. I want to say hi to Gloria and to Cher, whose book is on the way, and Hester and Paulette and her name is M-A-I. How would you say that? May. May. I just love it, but it's M-A-I. And Alexis, who joined the ministry for the first time and gave us a wonderful donation oh. gift, and thank you so much. And Marisol and Joan and Winnie and Johanna and Tina, dear Tina, thank you for your gifts. I love what I get to do, and um, I, I know I'm not going to be always be doing this because I'm going to finally blow up and dry away and go and be in heaven with God. But talking about this book has been very uh, refreshing to me. It reminds me of how I began Homemakers by Choice, now Modern Homemakers, with a group of young women who said, please mentor us. And I said, no. I've told that story so many times, but no, I said no, just simple no, not no thank you or call me again later another year, but no. And they would not take no, and in the end of that year, the Lord led me to the Titus passage, which clearly uh, spoke to me about four things that I needed to worry about teaching. Now, I look at that, and I've told this story so many times, but every time I tell it, there's like a new revelation to it. I think, Leah, that must have been so comforting to me because if I had known what I now know my no would have stuck <laughs> because I said oh that's easy we'll talk about marriage motherhood being a woman all making oh, oh, that's easy like four little things and here I am 35 years later still talking to the four little things thousands of lessons and podcasts later had I known it was going to be that, I would have said, no, thank you for sure, and not returned the, the call. One of the things that came into my world at that time was a passage found in Psalm 145. And my Bibles, especially the two Bibles I've used the last 35 years, are riddled with the word mentor slash through them. Uh, various passages, but this one was found in Psalm, and I remember thinking, wow, I can find mentoring in the Psalms, and that was very beautiful to me. It's Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall laud your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. 
And of the things that I have heard through the years of my being a mentor, my encouraging others to mentor, through my teachings, which are generally directed to younger women, is you tell me things that happened to you, real life stories, my generation, lauding what God has done to another generation and declaring his mighty work. And if you had read that verse to me and said, okay, there's there's a verse for a mentoring program, I would have said, not enough, not enough. Now, I, I do think there's much more to it. But I want to say to those of you who have been listening these last weeks and saying, mentoring, oh, I often feel it. I often see someone who I might knock on the door of their heart. I've often been knocked on the door, but I always say no because I think it's too big a deal. So it's a big deal, all right. I don't want you to ever miss that. And we chose this topic, mentoring, as a way of talking about how we connect with others who are younger than us, and we have an opportunity to share our journey, which is never always good, perfect, uh, exemplary. But it is our journey, and it is the way we individually have trusted in God. And I dedicated this book to Elizabeth Elliot, but it was in tribute to my Aunt Pat, Patricia Sayed, because she was an, an encourager to me when I was a very frail girl, a young girl. Lots of things that happened in my own personal life, in my family life. And my Aunt Pat stood like a beacon, like a tower. And she I don't ever remember her saying, this is hospitality. This is what you do. But I have said this thousands of times. I never walked into her house, never, that she didn't. And I went there three days a week for a long time, uh, for years, uh, that she didn't say, are you hungry? What can I get you? By that time, we were through the front rooms and into the kitchen. There was always, did you hear me? Always something baked, a cake, a pie, a cookies. I know we're not eating that much sugar these days, but there was always something homemade that she would offer to me. And her way of life, her giving way of life was inexplicable to me. It was different than my family life. It was inexplicable because I had never done it. I had only been the recipient of it. And it became absolutely the truest light and guiding light for helping me do what I did for the rest of my life. Um, I know that she's in heaven, and I know she's watching me. Now, I have my own theology about how involved she is with me, and I assure you I'm not listening to her talk to me, except that I really remember the serious lessons that she gave to me. So today, as we close up this time in <clears throat> talking about mentoring, I just want to say a few things, catch a few ideas with you before we finish. And the next time we're together, I'm going to talk about this book one more time. And I'm going to talk about the fact that at the back of finding a mentor, being a mentor, you will find, what is that? What are those yellow books called? They, that they how to do books for dummies. Mm. No, what's it called? A dummy's guide. Or, a yeah. dummy's guide. Okay. Yeah. So in the back of finding a mentor, being a mentor is a dummy's guide. Mm. And I'd ask a young woman who's a ministry assistant to come into the studio. And she is, 
she doesn't know what we're going to do, and I haven't looked at the material except I chose a topic. And we're going to use the dummy's guide up close and personal and see how it works. So that'll be the end of our conversations about mentoring. I love art. I love art. I, I Anywhere we go, and many places we go again to, uh, return to, frequent, uh, are places that there is raw and wonderful art. As a young girl who I grew up in the city of Chicago, I will never forget the first time I was taken to the Art Institute, which is still, of all the art museums I've been in all over the world, the Chicago Art Institute is still my favorite. It's because I began my love there. I still love their works, which I return to, and I've been in front of some of them hours after hours. But I was in the Washington, D.C., at um, the, let's see, it's called the um, Art Museum, Washington Art Museum, I think is what it's called. Beautiful museum. And they have one of Leonardo da Vinci's paintings. And he painted three portraits of women. Now, one of you all know. Like, who painted the Mona Lisa? Everybody knows who painted the Mona Lisa. And the Mona Lisa has been used from Pepsi cans to billboards and sweatshirts. Mona Lisa is very popular. He also painted a a woman in ermine. And so he painted the woman in ermine in 1489. He painted Mona Lisa in 1503. But in the middle of that, he painted what is his earliest portrait of a woman, her name is Gina Verde Benci, and um, it's a Byzantine era. It has gold leaf and burgundy colors very boldly. It was painted during what became the Renaissance area, and da Vinci was a genius. He was a genius about everything, but one of the things he did in these portraits, and only in these portraits, was he painted on the back of the portrait as well as the front. So on the front of the portrait, you Mm. see this amazing, oh, just upper bust, facial neck, maybe a little shoulder, uh, some backdrop, but very beautiful faces. The other women are, I think, as beautiful as the Mona Lisa, just didn't get as much notoriety. And then on the back, and it was at the art gallery in Washington where they set it up in a way that you could see it from the front and you could see it from the back, so it wasn't hanging on a wall. It was on a tripod that allowed you to see both. Do you know what was on the back? The qualities and characteristics of the young woman. Hmm. Who she was, her status, her education, the way she gave herself away specifically to her life. I've never forgotten that because I think so often, especially in the culture we live in, what we see is what we get. We think that that person is what she wears, Mm. what she looks like. Boy, that is most often not true. And I want to say to all of you, who are listening, who are in the second half of life or the third half of life or the end of life years and decades, this is when that character shines forward. I look in the mirror these days and, you know, my face doesn't look the same way it did when I was much younger. 
and I'm not trying to fix that too much. But what comes out of my mouth and what comes from my heart is very different than what I gave when I began ministry to younger women. Very different. So I, I want to talk to you for just a couple of minutes about ministry, okay? The word ministry, what does that really mean? It really means serving, means giving. And what are some attributes to ministry? The foundation of ministry is character. The nature of ministry is service. Let me tell you, if you get invested with a young woman or many young women, you will be serving in the most delightful ways. And David and I, my husband and I, were just talking about this this week in the merry month of May. Someone told me they're now calling it Maymus, as in Christmas, Maymus, because you know May is the second busiest month of the calendar. And we can attest to that. Graduation parties, graduations, celebrations for year-end events, birthdays, of course, wedding showers, getting ready for the June weddings, service. In many years, I and my husband and I together served the young community that we have lived with here in Arizona. We don't realize that until we go to one of these events and suddenly we're being introduced in ways that We've forgotten all the things we did. And now their fifth of seven children is graduating from college. And it's amazing to look back and be engaged in the central part of many families. We are welcomed as family in many families' lives. And it is a great end result of the work of ministry and mentoring. The motive of ministry is love. The measure of ministry is sacrifice. The authority of ministry is submission. And the purpose of ministry is the glory of God. The tools of ministry are the word of God and prayer. The tools of ministry are the word of God and prayer. <clears throat> I am confident that my prayer life is a direct result to the young women that God has put in my life and called me to pray with, to teach how to pray, and to pray for. It is a great honor to receive a text from someone who's going through something, and I began life with her 25 or 30 years ago. The privilege of ministry is growth, and I stand amazed and never acknowledge that I have grown much because I always think there's so much more. And I am of that ilk and breed that believes the day before I die, the day before I leave this earth and go to be with Christ, I will have learned something else about him. I don't, I'm not stopping my learning process ever. It's a privilege, and that privilege shows up as spiritual growth. The power of ministry is the Holy Spirit, and the model of our ministry is Jesus Christ. So this little piece of information gives you an idea about what it takes to give yourself away in this quote-unquote world of mentoring, encouraging, coming alongside uh, there are so many good words to use when it comes to mentoring. And then uh, this came to me. I'm not sure how I received this, but I can remember 
who I gave it, who was giving it to me, but I can remember where it showed up. I was going to teach a mentoring um, Saturday session, which is a three-part session on one day. And sitting on my lectern was a bold piece of eight and a half by 11 paper. And across the top, it said the 10 commandments of mentoring. And honestly, when I saw it, I thought, do I want to look at this? Like I'm just getting ready to teach about mentoring. Is someone saying mentoring, it really stinks like a dirty sock and you shouldn't do it. And here's what happens. They want you to babysit and take advantage of you. But no, it wasn't that at all. And I have used this many times. So I'm not going to say the thou shalt every time, but I will every few times. Thou shalt not play God. Hmm. Do you want to pause on that one and stop with the rest? I mean, it's so easy to tell someone what to do. Mentoring is not telling them what to do. If anything, it is the tools that we talked about earlier, the tools of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ and our prayer. Thou shalt not play teacher or mother or father. Thou shalt not lie with your body. Oh, that was a hard one to learn. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, no, I can do that. I can do all things. I'm fine. No, no, don't do that. Let them know that you are a fragile human being created in God's image, and sometimes you have more energy than other times, and that's just what it is, and it's also true of them. Active listening is the holy time, and thou shalt practice it in every session. I'm going to end our time together talking to you about the 10 sacred uh, attributes of listening, and I'll encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast. It was a life-changing teaching to me, and I was privileged to teach it. But every time you are together, you are to practice listening. Thou shalt be non-judgmental. Thou shalt not lose heart because of repeated disappointments. Thou shalt practice empathy, not sympathy. Thou shalt not believe that you can move a mountain. Only God can move mountains. And lastly, thou shalt not envy thy neighbor's protege or thy neighbor's success. I can remember that as clear as I'm sitting in this studio today. I have been teaching mentoring. Please, I know a lot about mentoring. And I have a number of girls who I'm mentoring. I was sort of smug about it until I ran into a young woman who I taught, not a young woman, she was a middle-aged woman at that point, and I taught her a lot about mentoring. And she had this lovely girl that she was mentoring who just sat at her feet lapping up every word and doing everything she said to do. And I can remember thinking, why didn't I get her, Lord? Now, it didn't take me long to realize that that kind of envy is really easy. That kind of projection goes to the self, like if I were doing a better job than my mentee or daughter of my heart would be different. That's not true at all. So let's talk about sacred listening. And you'll find on our resource pages, um, you'll find on our resource pages, a sheet that's called sacred listening and there are 10 steps there and we're just going to stop um we're going to refer to these 10 and then send you to our website to find it one stop talking two pay attention 
Three, pause before you speak. The American culture speaks so fast and jumps over and talks over and so often that if if someone takes a breath, the next person is ready to jump in. If you pause before you start to speak, you'll know if that young woman is really finished or not. Listen for understanding. Listen for understanding, not facts. Be patient and present. Be patient and present. Listen with an open mind. The things that we were called to do when we were younger, women are not being called to do now. So be open-minded about this culture and how these women are raising their families, being married, taking care of themselves, serving meals, etc., etc., etc. Be open-minded. Listen to yourself. It's a scary thing to do, but listen to yourself. Do you sound like the all-knowing, all-telling woman who has something to say on every subject? Oh, Lord, spare us from that. I should read that piece of Elizabeth, I'm not going to today, about the things we should not do as we grow older. Uh, Ask for clarification. Do not ever assume that what your young woman is talking about is very clearly spoken of. She may be muddled in it. You may need to ask her a number of questions about what it is she's actually saying. It's very encouraging to someone to have an individual say, now, is this what you meant? Is this what you're saying? Could you clarify how you feel about that? Let the speaker know you have heard what she said. And lastly, listen with empathy and compassion. I'm Donna Otto, and I wrote Finding a Mentor, Being a Mentor as an outgrowth of my own life, having been mentored by many people, having been loved and cared for in many places that I did not find it in my own home and community. And I wrote that book to encourage many of us to continue our mentoring and I'm going to close the show today myself. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of considering someone you'll mentor.